Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Well, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Like I said, um, I want to encourage you to take notes. Uh, maybe you don't normally take notes. You can feel free to write things down, type things down, whatever you feel like doing. Anybody ready to get into this series? Come on, we're going to pick up where we left off. I'm really excited. Um, last week, we started a series called First Fruits. Somebody say First Fruits. And if you haven't heard last week's message, I want to encourage you to check it out on the app, on the website. Anybody enjoy last week's message? Get something out of it. I want you to check it out on the app, on the website, um, on the YouTube channel, uh, if you get a chance sometime this week. Because last week, we talked about God being first. And it was really foundational um, when it came to this series and everything that we had lined up for this series. Uh, But once again... Um, first fruits is whenever we honor God with our first and with the best portion of what we have. And we believe that whenever we bring God our first fruits, we believe that God will begin to bless the rest of it, which is why on January 26, we're going to give y'all an opportunity and we're going to have an opportunity to bring our first, to bring our best of our income of what God's entrusted us with to God. And not only will we see expansion here at this church, but we believe that God will also bless the rest of what we have. Amen. Amen. Hey, so with that in mind, and as we move forward, we're going to be taking a look at a story, and you don't have to stand to your feet yet. We're going to be taking a look at the story in the book of Joshua, uh, chapter 6 and chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at a story uh, with the city called Jericho. I know most of you guys may be familiar with that story, and what we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at a guy by the name of Achan, and we're going to be seeing what he did when it came to Jericho, and for those that do not know the story of Jericho very well. I'll give you guys a quick little introduction to give you some context. I know most of you guys may know about it. Uh, but whenever the nation of Israel um, escaped Egypt, they, ex- they escaped the captivity and persecution of Egypt, um, they were wandering in the desert for about 40 years, led by Moses, led by God, uh, you know, pillar of fire by night, uh, a cloud by day, right? They're being led through the, the desert. And then after Egypt, got out of them, not just them getting out of Egypt, God allowed them to cross the Jordan River. And when they crossed the Jordan River, led by their leader Joshua, the first big obstacle that they came across was the city called Jericho. Now, Jericho, you have to understand, whenever the nation of Israel is going into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, it's already inhabited with about seven nations or so. And the first city that they come across is a city called Jericho. And Jericho wasn't huge in size, but it was really well defended and guarded when it came to the walls. That's what it was notorious for. But you know the story God told Joshua and the nation, walk around the walls of Jericho seven times in seven days. And after the seventh time on the seventh day, make a sound unto the Lord, blow the trumpets. And after you do that, the walls will come tumbling down. But here's the catch. God told Joshua and the nation of Israel that the things in the city, the treasures and the possessions were to be devoted and given to God first, all of it, and the nation of Israel couldn't touch any of it, and that whenever they did that, when they brought it into the Lord's treasury, that God would begin to bless the rest of the promised land. In other words, Jericho was the first fruits. That makes sense to you guys? So we're going to be taking a look in Joshua chapter 6 and Joshua chapter 7. You know what? You can, st- you can stay seated this morning. I know we don't normally do that, but for the sake of time, you can turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. Uh, verse 16 through 19. I'm reading out of the NIV, and we'll read from there. I got about like um, maybe 15 verses or so we're going to be reading this morning. 
Um, and it says this. It says, the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that are in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared. Because she hid the spies, we sent. But keep away from the devoted things. Somebody say devoted things. Now, last week we mentioned how the term first fruits, devoted things, our first things are mentioned about 32 times. And this is one of those moments right here. It says devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are, shake, are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. Then we jump down to the next chapter in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, and it says this is what Achan did. But it says, The Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now I want you to get this, because we're going to paraphrase the next couple of verses. Because Achan did this, what happened was this, the result of that, was after they conquered Jericho, they went into a battle. And when they went into the battle, they lost big time. In fact, they retreated from the army that they were coming against, and Joshua became very frustrated. The reason being is because God promised him that wherever he put his feet, that, that that land would belong to him, that God was going to give them the promised land, that they were going to come in and conquer the promised land. So Joshua, he became very frustrated, and he was asking God, God, why did this happen? Why did this happen? And God answered him, and he said, it's because someone took some of the devoted things that were supposed to be set aside for me, and because of that, there's a curse, and you're not going to be able to win the battles. And he gave Joshua instruction on how to, found, how to find the person um, that had taken the devoted things. Turn to your neighbor and say this. Say, you can fool me. Now turn to your second option and say, but you cannot fool God. <laughs> Joshua chapter 7, verse 16 through 26, this is where Achan gets caught. It says, early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes, and Judah was chosen, one of the tribes of Israel. And it says, the clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerites were chosen. He had the clan of the Zerites come forward by families, and Zimri was chosen. So in other words... What they did was they did process of elimination. They narrowed it down to find the person because the nation of Israel, one nation, was made of 12 tribes, but within the tribes were clans, and within the clans uh, were families. And they found the family, and that's how they found Achan. It says, Joshua had his family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was chosen. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. We're almost done. Do not hide it from me, Achan replied. It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw the plunder of, beautiful, of a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent. And there it was, hidden... They're hidden in the ground under, in my tent with silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent and brought them to Joshua, and all of the Israelites spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep. Took all of his things, his tents, and all that he had to the valley of Acre. To to the Valley of Acre. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? And if you translate Achan's name, 
in Hebrew, it actually means trouble as well. Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned, they stoned him, they stoned the rest of them, they burned them, and over Achan they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains there to this day. Then the Lord turned, to his, turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Acre ever since. Now, to be honest, this is probably going to be one of the most challenging messages that I've ever preached before when it comes to challenging you guys. And I really felt like God was leading me with this. I said, God, do you, do you want me to talk about this? He said, yes, I want you to talk about that. So uh, my job is obedience. God's job is the outcome. But I want you to have your heart open this morning uh, because I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm just simply here to encourage people this morning because we really love you guys so much, each and every single one of y'all. And we want to see you live the best life possible here on this earth. So the sermon in the second part of this series, the message title is this, Bring It Back. Bring it back. Touch your neighbor, tap him on the shoulder, whatever you want to do, and say, bring it back. Bring it back. Awesome. Um, I'm not sure if you're a big fan of Mexican food or Tex-Mex. Anybody in here a big fan of that? Now, years ago, whenever I was a student, we had a tradition after every Wednesday service where we would go out to eat at a Mexican restaurant. And it would be after every Wednesday service, we'd just go out to this Mexican restaurant. And this is whenever, whenever I was younger, I couldn't drive. And whenever we went to this Mexican restaurant on one night, um, whenever I was sitting down, I ordered some tacos, and the tacos came to our table. I'm going somewhere. Tacos came to our table. And I'm not trying to tempt anybody during this fast. They came to our table, and they were in a basket right here, you know. And it wasn't like a, like a, a glass plate or anything. It was one of those mesh uh, plastic baskets with the holes in it and everything. They brought it to the table, and as soon as I got the tacos, uh, I got a phone call from my mom. My mom said, hey, son, I'm outside. We got to go right now. So me, in the heat of the moment, not even thinking, one of these tacos, my mom's waiting for me outside. I grab the basket, I grab the tacos, not even thinking, and I go outside. I get in the car, we drive off, we get home, then something hits me as I'm eating the tacos. I took the plastic basket. <laughs> and not only that, but I got a message from some people, some people that were at the table. They said as soon as I left the restaurant that one of the employees saw me, and they chased after me, ran after me, <laughs> but it was already too late because by the time that they came outside, they saw me driving off in the car with my mom. And they came to the table asking the people at the table, asking my friends, asking the church family, who was that guy right there? And at the time, I had spiky hair. It was like a full hawk. Who was that guy with the spiky hair? And they said, oh, he's one of our friends. His name is Caleb. So they began to mess with me. Caleb, you got to bring this back right now. But I was younger. I was immature. And I became too scared. I said, okay, I'll bring it back, but not right now. I don't, I don't feel like facing them right now. It's embarrassing. So I decided to keep the taco basket with me uh, for, for not just a couple days, but for a couple months. And I didn't go to that restaurant after, yeah, I know it's bad. I didn't go to that restaurant. I didn't go to that restaurant for quite a while. Whenever everybody went there, I stayed back. Why? Because I took the basket. They asked for me every once in a while. And then I had enough guts. I don't think my parents knew anything about this. I had enough guts to go, and I didn't take it on purpose, I took it on accident, okay? I had enough guts to go to the restaurant, so I go to the restaurant one Wednesday service, I put it on the counter, I sit down, okay? Don't even, I don't even say anything, I should have said sorry or something, but guys, it was, I went to the restaurant after that, every time I went, it was the most awkward thing. Those ladies still remembered me. 
I'm praying for them that they're going to get over that bitterness or unforgiveness, grudge. Hopefully, whenever I change my hair, they think I'm a different person. Um, but the purpose and the reason that I share that story, I know it's kind of funny. You know, I took the basket on accident. And I think a lot of times whenever we read stories in the Bible, whenever we read scriptures, whenever we look at characters in the Bible, we can be very quick to judge certain characters. We can look at somebody like Achan and we, we can say to ourselves, what a selfish man. Like, what a greedy guy. Because not only did he steal from people, but he actually stole from God. And we can say to ourselves, I would never do anything like that. Like me, steal from people, better yet, steal from God. Like, that's something that I would never do. But I felt like God told me something. And he said, if we're not careful, we can actually unknowingly steal or rob from God. If we're not careful, we can unknowingly rob from God. What in the world? My series is going off all of a sudden. I didn't say Siri. We can unknowingly rob from God. Now, I don't want anybody to put their walls up right now or anything or shut me out because I already know where our minds went to as soon as we said robbing from God. You know where our minds went to? We went straight to money, right? We thought about money. But I want you guys to not put your walls up so quickly because I believe that God wants to speak clearly to somebody this morning, and I want to share it with love. You know, we can't, we, don't, we can't just only steal that from God, but do you know that we can actually rob God of time? We can rob God of our talents. We can rob God of his worship and his, and, and his love, and we can rob God of the love that he deserves and, and the glory of God. Think about this, for example, in Scripture, in Luke chapter 17, there's a story of 10 lepers that came to Jesus, and leprosy was an incurable, infectious, contagious disease that people had in that time, and even some people even have today. And they heard about Jesus, these 10 lepers, and the miracles that Jesus performed, and they went to Jesus, and they stood at Jesus from a distance and said, Lord, have pity on us. In other words, they were wanting to receive healing from Jesus, and Jesus tells them, go show yourselves to the priest, and when you show yourselves to the priest, you will receive your healing. But we later find out that only one out of the ten returned back to Jesus, fell down at his feet, gave him the worship, gave him the glory that he deserved. Jesus looked at the man and he said this, your faith has made you well. If you translate that word well in the Greek, that word actually means whole, to be made complete. So the one that came back was made whole, the other nine were just healed. And the reason being is because one didn't rob God of the worship and the glory that he deserved. Or you can look at scripture and look, or even look at our own lives, really, when it comes to our talents, our gifts, and our abilities that we can actually rob from God. And we can do that whenever we use our talents only for me, myself, and I. We use our talents for our own benefits. But don't get confused. Your talents, your gifts, your abilities, your intellect, your mind, everything that you have right now, your gifts... Those were given to you from God. But what you do with that is your gift back to him. Or your time. Time, the most valuable commodity, if not the most valuable commodity of all time. I can count to five right now. One, two, three, four, five. Guess what? Those five seconds are gone. We can never get those back. And people, I don't care how much money you have, a lot of people, they just want more time. And we can steal time from God. We can rob time for God whenever we don't spend time with him like we should. When we put something in our schedule and we become distracted and we put something to replace that, we can become very distracted sometimes and not spend time with God. 
whether it's a couple minutes or whatever, we can rob God of the time that he desires because he wants to spend time with us. Because I've realized that if the enemy cannot get us with destruction, he'll try to get us with distraction. If he can't get us with destruction, he'll try to get us with distraction. And even when it comes to our finances, whenever we choose not to put God first. Now, I want you guys to hear me out real quick, okay? Because God is not up in heaven right now worried about whether or not you pay tithes or someone pays tithes or offerings or not because he can't meet the bill for next month if you don't. When it comes to like that, that's, that's not how it is for God. In fact, you can come to this church and never give a penny Never give a dollar, and we'll still love you, we'll still be there for you, we'll still pray with you, we'll still encourage you, we'll still uplift you. And guess what? God will still love you, and God will also be there as well. But I want you guys to understand this, that God is not after our money. God is really after our hearts. Because where our treasure, we talked about last week, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want us to take a look at what the prophet Malachi said in Malachi chapter 3. Um, verse 8, and it says this right here. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And it says, in tithes in and offerings. Now, for those that don't know what tithe means, I want you guys to get this. I want to go a little deeper for a minute. Is that cool if we go a little deeper? Tithe means a tenth or 10%. And if you look at scripture, 10 is the number of order. And we can find that if you look at Genesis chapter one, when God created and established and put the heavens and earth in order, you'll find the phrase, because he said, he said it and it's spoken into existence. He said the phrase, the, the phrase God said is mentioned 10 times in, in Genesis chapter one. And whenever God met with Moses on Mount Sinai, how many commandments did God give Moses? Ten commandments. And whenever God delivered the nation of Israel from Egypt, from slavery, from captivity, from persecution, and he's put things back in order, how many plagues did God send? He sent ten plagues to set things back in order. The principle is this. The principle is this. Tithing, giving 10% of our income, is one of the ways where we put God first. And whenever God is first, we are in order. But whenever God isn't first, things are out of order and we are out of order. See, and God's word says that whenever we bring the tithe, whenever we put him first, that he will pour out a blessing over our lives. But I think that we've misconstrued the word blessing so much now where we, all we think about are materialistic things, intangible things only. But I've realized that being blessed and having blessings I feel the anointing this morning. Isn't just about possessions. It's really about being in position. Because whenever we put God first in our lives, we align ourselves with the kingdom of God. And we are put in order when God is first and God sees that. And that allows God to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus because we're put in order. That's why it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, to seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. Not just financially, but spiritually, emotionally, relationally, mentally, 
God can, God can fulfill. God can satisfy. We have a universe whole, a size hole in our soul, and the only one that can meet that hole and meet that need is Jesus Christ, and he died on the cross, and he rose. And get this, we find tithing in Scripture before the law is ever mentioned and before God ever gave the commandment when it came to Abraham. He gave a tenth. He gave a tithe of what he had. But here's the big question. Is tithing for today? Is tithing for today? Because that's the debate right now. Is tithing for today? I love what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said it like this. He said, the New Testament goes beyond the Old Testament and teaches that we are to give as God has prospered us. We are to take the tithe as a standard, but to go beyond the tithe as an indication, get this, of our gratefulness for God's gift to us. We show our gratitude by giving back to him a part of that which he has given to us. So in other words, tithing is the template, but living a generous life is the goal. I'll say that again. Tithing is the template, but the goal is ultimately not just tithing. It's to live a generous life. You know, the scripture says that the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller, but the world, the, the, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And we are blessed not to be bloated, but we are blessed to be a blessing. See, we are not called to be reservoirs. We are called to be rivers where God can flow in us and he can flow through us and we can't restrict the blessings of God. And that's why on January 26th, we're going to have an opportunity to go above and beyond our regular giving because we're going to show God gratitude. And this isn't something that we're just asking you to do. This is something me and my family put into practice as well. We don't just practice what we preach. We want to preach what we practice. And I want us to see what Malachi chapter 3 verse, verse 10 says right here, right after we read verse 8, because it's important. It says this, Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Somebody say, bring it back. Yeah. Now it says, bring, somebody say, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that you may that you may <clears throat> that there may be food in my house test me in this says the lord somebody say test me says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, this is the only place in Scripture where God will say, test me. This will be the only place in Scripture where we find God saying, test me. So get this, and here's what I felt as God, as I was reading the Scripture, and I felt like God was telling me this. Whenever we don't put God first in our lives, we're not really robbing God. We're really robbing ourselves. We're actually robbing ourselves of opportunities for God to bless us. Get this. When the nation of Israel stole from Jericho, they weren't just stealing from God. They were stealing from themselves because afterward, it says they lost the battle and they retreated and they couldn't enter into the promised land. So they weren't just stealing from God, but they were stealing from themselves. And get this. Jericho wasn't one-tenth of the promised land. Jericho was the first fruits of the promised land that they conquered. And God was saying this, that if you give me the first, I'll bless you with the rest. And that took faith. Just like it takes faith for us to give of our first fruits, just like it takes faith for us to give of our tithes. See, it doesn't take faith to give God the last of what we have. It takes faith for us to give God the first of what we have. And the point is this, that whenever you put God first, you will always come out ahead. 
See, I think sometimes we think that we're doing God a favor whenever we give, but the reality is God is actually doing us a favor. You ever thought about it like that? You know, I talked to a pretty successful businessman a while back, and me and him began talking. He began to share with me his story. And years ago, he had nothing. He had nothing, and he started the business, and eventually he decided to put it into practice, giving God 10% to try to live a generous life. And he said that God had blessed him so much that he couldn't help but to add another 10% on top of that. So he was giving 10%, and God began to bless him in his life. Here's another nugget of wisdom. Whenever God blesses you, don't just raise your standard of living. Raise your standard of giving. And I began to point out all the amazing things that God had done in his life. And you know how he responded to me? He said this. He said, Caleb, none of this belongs to me. I don't deserve any of this in my life. In fact, all of this actually belongs to God. And if people only knew the power of putting God first, and I thought to myself, wow. Like, that's a paradigm shift right there, because I really do believe that if we realize that everything that we have in our lives belongs to God, it will completely change our perspective when it comes to giving to God, when it comes to sowing seeds in our life. And that's my first point this morning, is that it all belongs to God. Somebody say, it all belongs to God. Do you know that not only Jericho belonged to God, but did you know the whole promised land actually belonged to God? And God was just asking for the first portion of the promised land to be brought to him. So get this. I want you guys to understand this. So whenever we give to God, whenever they gave to God, we aren't just merely giving to God. We are actually bringing back to God what already belongs to him. Think about that. When we give to God, we aren't just giving to God, but we're bringing back to God everything that belongs. How do we know that God owns everything? Because God created everything. Let me go a step further real quick. Do you know that not only does everything that you have and possess and everything that you see belong to God, but you actually belong to God? And that's why we're honoring God with our bodies when it comes to prayer and fasting. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We went from being tombs to becoming temples. And we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And it says in Scripture, present yourself a living sacrifice unto God. Here, check out what Psalm chapter 24, verse 1 says. It says this. It says, the earth is the Lord. Somebody say, the earth is the Lord's. And everything in it. The world and all who live in it. So that tells me this. That tells me this. God is in ownership. We are just in stewardship. God is the owner. We are not the owners. We are just the stewards. There is not one good thing that I can look at or you can look at in your life and say, that's there because of my hard work. All of it's there because of my dedication, because of my motivation, because of my sacrifice, because the scripture tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And God allows us to keep most of it. He just asks us to bring him the first portion that we have. See, and get this, that's where Achan messed up. 
And at the end of the day, he still had to bring it back to God, whether willingly or unwillingly, because the truth of the matter is, we came into this world with nothing, and we're going to leave with nothing. We came into this world with nothing, and we're going to leave with nothing. We're not going to leave with any the possessions that we have. We're not going to take the possessions that we have with us to heaven. Did you know that? Your car, your house, your clothes, all these. We're not going to take those things with us. I've never seen a U-Haul chase after a funeral procession. <laughs> but we are going to take people with us to heaven and the people around us and our family and our friends with us to heaven. So it's not bad to have stuff, but it becomes bad whenever stuff has you. It's not bad to have stuff. It's bad whenever stuff has you. So the question I have for you this morning is this. How are you stewarding what God has given you right now? How are you stewarding your life? How are you stewarding your finances? You know a principle my dad has given me years ago, and I do my best to apply this in my life, that whenever someone lets me borrow something or loans me something, make sure you give it back to them in better condition than before. And somebody needs to hear this morning, needs to hear this this morning, because whether someone lets you borrow their, their car for a day or two, make sure that you give it back to them clean, washed, clean the insides, to show appreciation, or if someone lets you borrow a tool, can I hear an amen from all the men in here and women? If you lend somebody a tool or someone lets you borrow a tool, you better make sure that you take very good care of that tool right there. The reason is this, because they're letting you borrow it, but you don't own it. They own it. And it, the same thing applies to what we have in our lives when it comes to our time, our talents, and our treasure, how are we stewarding what God has given and entrusted us with? See, get this. Achan didn't steward correctly, and he paid the consequences for it. And here's what I want you to understand. That you don't have to worry about coming to God and being struck down or punished like Achan was. You don't have to worry about any of that. You can come to God as you are. And the reason being is because Achan, he was underneath the law, which was an eye for an eye. You can do more studies into that. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You get what you deserve. You get what you deserve, period. But today, since Jesus Christ died on the cross, and that's the good news of the gospel, we are underneath grace. So Jesus didn't come to give you what you deserve. Jesus Christ came to give you what he deserves. And get this, get this. The nation of Israel, God said, if you gave the first portion of the land, of the promised land to him, that he would redeem the rest. So if the first was sacrificed, the rest of it would be redeemed. The rest of it would be redeemed. But here's the great thing about Jesus. He was the first he was, the, he was the, the lamb slaughtered on the foundations of the earth, and he sacrificed himself so that way we could be redeemed and we could be made whole, and that way we can receive salvation. Jesus was the first, and that way we, the rest of us could be redeemed. Does that make sense to you guys this morning? So we can actually come to God as we are, and that's my second point this morning, that you can come to God as you are. Somebody say, come as you are. See, if you feel like you've robbed God of anything or you've allowed the enemy to rob God of anything, you don't have to hide like Achan did, but you can actually come to God as you are. You know, it says that whenever Achan 
Achan actually hid what he took. And not only that, but he hid himself. And it's pretty interesting because you can actually see that same thing in Scripture in the book of Genesis because whenever Adam took something that didn't belong to him, thank you, Holy Spirit, that whenever Adam took something that didn't belong to him, it says that he, what? He hid. He hid himself from God, and that's the proclivity of sin. And that's in our nature, that whenever we make a mistake, whenever we fell, whenever we fall short, a lot of times we like to hide ourselves. We hide ourselves. But now, I love what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says. It says this. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that way we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And the reason I wanted to put this point in here is because I feel like sometimes we think that we have to be in better condition before we can ever show ourselves to God or come to God. We, oh, I have to clean myself up before I come to church. I have to get better. But we got it backwards if we think like that because we do not get good to get God. We get God to get good. And we do not clean ourselves up and then go to God. We go to God because he's the only one that can purify us, clean us, and make us into a new creation. And if you have that mindset that you have to wait until you get better to come to church, to pray, to fast, to read the Bible, you're never going to get started because you're going to think to yourself, I'm never good enough. So the point I'm trying to make is this, start where you are. Don't think about praying one hour a day. Start by praying five minutes a day. Don't worry about doing a full-on fast like other people. Don't compare yourself to other people. Start partially by giving up bread, by giving up something partially, just giving up sugar. The point is start where you are. Can somebody say start where you are? You can come to God as you are. I know that's a shorter point this morning, but does that make sense to you guys? We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid to come to God. Jesus, just like Jericho was sacrificed in order for the rest of the promised land to be redeemed, Jesus was sacrificed on the cross in order for us to be redeemed. And redeems means to be brought back. It means to be brought back. So get this. We were taken from the enemy because of the deception. We were taken from, we were taken from God because of, the, because of the deception of the enemy and because of our sinful nature. So whenever Jesus died on the cross, what he was really doing, he was redeeming us. He was bringing us back into his kingdom, bringing us back into his possession. So he was telling Satan, he was looking down on Satan, and he said, hey, you better bring them back. That's my child. That's my son. That's my daughter. Don't you dare lay a nasty finger on the hair of their head. Bring them back. Somebody say, bring them back. And Haley, you can come up as we get ready to close, because as I was putting together this sermon this morning, or like, man, not even this morning, but, you know, last night I put together way sooner, don't worry. I don't know why I said this morning. <laughs> As I was putting together this sermon, a story came to my mind. And I figured I would share it with you guys because, you know, whenever, a long time ago, this happened years ago, um, me and my mom, we went to HEB Plus together. And whenever we went to HEB Plus, we went shopping, got some different things. And we left HEB Plus, we got in the car, we drove home. And what ended up happening was my mom realized that she forgot her purse at HEB Plus. So we go, and she forgot in the basket. So we go back to HEB Plus, and we go to the lost and found section, and we find out that her purse was actually there, but somebody came that knew the security guard, and before they checked the identification in the bag, they said, that purse is mine. So they took the purse for themselves, and they drove off, and it had my mom's wallet in there, it had her phone in there, it had a lot of different things. So we got the police involved, uh, the managers came, different employees came, and we were talking, trying to figure out what to do, and then it hit me. Wait, there's find my iPhone on my mom's phone. 
So we're able to track exactly where this person is at. And we see this person, and they're at a gas station for a bit, then they're sitting in a neighborhood for a bit, and they're staying still for a while. We're out in the front, and we say to the cop, man, you can actually go and get them. So we tell the cop, okay, get ready to go. And then something happened that we were not expecting. The little dot on the Find My iPhone was heading back to the HB Plus. And it was coming down Navarro. And then it pulled into the parking lot. And honestly, I was a little afraid for a minute. I was like, what is about to happen? And we saw the car pull into the HB Plus parking lot. We saw the, the two people that were in the car. And whenever we saw them in the car, they pulled up in a parking spot. And we saw them out in a distance, and the man got out of the car. He had my mother's purse, and he brought it back to my mom, and he said, we are so sorry. He said, Who, whose purse is this? And he gave it to my mom. He said, we are so sorry. And we asked the man, what happened? And he said that while they were pumping gas, him and his wife at the gas station, they were going through the bag, and they took a little bit for gas. They were going through the bag, and they found a note that was written from somebody in this church. And it was a letter written to our past Pastor Don, and they were thanking Pastor Don for all the amazing things that, that, they, that she's done for them. And they read that and they saw on the bottom, thank you, Pastor Don, we love you. And I believe the fear of God struck them right there in that moment. The Holy Spirit convicted them because immediately they said, we took something that was not ours. We have to bring this back right now. So they bring it back and my mom, she had every right to press charges to say, we're gonna indict you, we're gonna come at you, we're gonna put you in handcuffs, you're gonna be arrested, you're gonna be taken away. And the lady who came, who was in the car, she was sobbing and she was crying. And you know what my mom did? She went to this lady and she embraced her, she hugged her, she comforted her, and she said, I forgive you, it's okay, it's gonna be all right, it's all good. It made me think, it made me think about us when it came to Jesus. It made me think about the story of the prodigal son because we were so far from God and the prodigal son, he came to his senses and it says that he went back to his father because he realized that he had it so much better than he realized and it says that whenever he was at a distance that the father saw him and not only did he run to the father but the father ran to him and he embraced him, he hugged him, he clothed him, he gave him a ring, he welcomed, they had a party. See, the gospel is not about just us getting to God. It's really about God coming to us. And God is not mad at you. God is madly in love with you. And you know what happened in that moment? My mom told everybody, what we need to do right now, we need to gather everybody around, and we're going to pray and thank God for this moment. So with the cops, with the managers, with the employees, even with the people that stole the purse, we sat, we, we, we stood together and we prayed in the moment. You know, it says in scripture that whenever the enemy takes something from you and he gets caught, that he has to bring it back, not just by single or double fold or triple fold, but he has to bring it sevenfold. And she stole the purse. And what the enemy didn't realize is that God was fixing to use that as an opportunity to display his love, to display his mercy, to display his grace, to display his forgiveness, to display his power through my mom. And I just felt so led in my spirit to tell somebody this morning, thank you God, that the devil has been taking some things from you for far too long, 
He's been robbing you of different things, of your finance, of your purity, of your innocence, of your relationship. He's been robbing time and time again. But today is the day where you look at the devil, not in the eyes, but you look down at the devil because he's under your feet. And you say, devil, you've been caught. You have to bring it back. You have to bring it back. Not single, not double, not triple. You have to bring it back sevenfold. Somebody shall bring it back. Somebody shall bring it back. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.